0: listening to these you know i constantly make jokes about how gay these games are because they're gay but what i don't expect is that the gay is it's so canon it's like painful for me to sit there and watch this game pretend to not be just a pride parade
1: Welcome to Mortified, The Friendship Quest, a podcast where two long-distance friends bounce media recommendations all in hopes the other will like it. I'm Aaron.
0: And I'm a boy, stew.
1: And this week, we eat each other's dreams in Kingdom Hearts Dream Drop Distance. Before we rightfully get called an idiot seven ways to Sunday, remember you can help us on Mortified, The Legitimacy Quest, by subscribing to us on YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify, setting up for our monthly newsletter through the link in our show notes, or following us on Twitter and Tumblr, at Pod. Layla. Aaron. It's that time of the month again. It is. Uh, so we're going to say this right up top listeners. We know a whole lot of you don't actually listen to these and that's completely fine. Uh, these ones are sort of an indulgent one for for your co-hosts. Um, however, you know, this one is going to be even looser than the last couple I feel have been. We're just going to... You know go through our standard structure and you know if we if this is only a 25 minute conversation uh we'll leave it at that and if this is a two and a half hour conversation we'll leave it at that um just know that this is going to be a little bit different than our normal episodes and it's okay if you're just like i don't need to hear them talk about this almost 10 year old (laughs) ds game
0: um, yeah, sometime after we finished uh, recording our last Kingdom Hearts podcast for 358 over two, we realized that we were rehashing a lot of the same points. We always rehash because the games, for being uh, off the wall, do uh, get a little redundant in some of their themes. So this one's going to be a little bit loose. Um, that being said, uh, boy howdy, do I have a plot summary because this one does this a lot of heavy lifting with is the lore. A novella. okay here we go I'm gonna try and get through it as efficiently as I can the whole premise of this game is that Riku and Sora must achieve the mark of mastery because even though they've done the Keyblade thing for 400 years now Yen Sid says they're not good enough Sora says fuck you I'm good enough Riku says "Mm, actually I could use some training and Sora goes you know what actually I'd like to train too now that Riku's doing it Uh, this is an atypical trial because young Xehanort spends the whole time chasing the boys around this, like, dreamscape that they've created and being cryptic as if he (gasps) knows what's about to happen. Um, Human Axel, whose name is Lee, um wakes up with most of his Human Organization 13 counterparts, but oh no, some are still missing, including Xehanort. Um, Still, he has a promise to keep, as in to Roxas and Xion that he's going to go get them. Uh, So off he goes to occasionally uh, pop in and help our lads out on their quest. Young Xehanort eventually takes Sora to the beach at Destiny Islands to give him a bunch of backstory, which is how I'm going to tell you about what we know so far of the Xehanort time loop. So young xehanort original flavor lives on destiny islands he thinks it's too small and he hates it and by original flavor i do mean like teen xehanort no time shenanigans um ansem comes to visit from the future and tells him he needs to start up the real organization 13 not the one you meet in chain of memories the real one uh, young Xanort, flavor-blasted, now can time travel to any place or instance in time where a version of him exists, and then he can collect the real Organization 13. This time fuckery encompasses the events of Dream Drop Distance, and also is how Kyrie ends up on Destiny Islands, because he takes her from Radiant Garden, yeets her into the darkness, and says, you're going to land wherever the next Keyblade wielder is. And that's how uh, he knows... To come back to Destiny Islands for um, Sora and Riku. Mostly for Riku, but Riku fucks up. Uh, Once he succeeds with... uh his quest of gathering the real organization 13 flavor blasted young xehanort has to go back to his own time and that uh because he goes back to his own time his memories of his experiences are erased but into his heart is etched like a path to become crusty xehanort who is master xehanort who is the one we meet in birth by sleep Master Xehanort's crustiness can be staved off by a new vessel, a new body, which is why he possesses Terra in the events of Birth by Sleep. Terra Nort, Xehanort, Terra Xehanort, who has amnesia now. Uh, becomes Ansem the Wise's apprentice. So Ansem the Wise is Diz, and obsessed with power. That's the long story made very very short. He willingly casts off his body to become a vapor of Ansem and arrives at Destiny Islands somewhere between the events of like Birth by Sleep, 358, two, and Dream Drop, or er, and uh, Kingdom Hearts one. So it's while Sora and Riku are growing up, but have already met Terra Aqua and Ventus. Um. This casting off of his body generates Xemnas, who is starting the fake, orga- or the, the original Organization 13, the startup that doesn't work. Um, and then Vapor Ansem is the one that travels back to young Xehanort original flavor and starts this time cycle all over again. The, where we kind of lose track of this is what happens after Sora defeats Xemnas, and Ansem, Seeker of Darkness, who is Vapor Ansem, who took over Riku's body. Um, because once those two are defeated, Terra Xehanort gets regenerated. And that's where we kind of lose track of the time loop. We'll figure it back out again in three. But for now, we're that's where we're at. So back to Dream Drop Distance. As we traverse through worlds, Sora finds himself in the unlucky position of being tricked off of his beaten path. Tricked, I mean, he's stupid. And everyone acknowledges that several times in this game, but, you know, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. And uh, he goes into a version of his own uh, nightmares. He resists the call of his boyfriend calling to him from the sky and dives too deep into his own dreams. So the darkness takes him. Turns out Sora is the final member of the real organization 13, the one that young Xehanort, flavor blasted version has been tasked with starting. Not that goofy one we've been fighting the whole time. Um, Mickey gets choke-slammed by Xemnas in trying to get Sora back, which is our favorite scene in the all of this franchise. That's my new Twitter um, banner. I was gonna use it as the mortified one too. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but when things begin to look dire, Axel, and as you called him, Goofy Ex Machina (laughs) swoop in to help. Extremely good. Non sequitur by Aaron while we were watching this. Um... Back at Yansid's Tower, Sora is still lost to darkness, and Riku has to swoop in and save his boyfriend by way of meeting all the rest of the boy soup and Sheon that's trapped inside his heart. When they all wake up, Sora is in the middle of having a tea party with Donald and Goofy. It's extremely cute. He's wearing a hat. Him and his boyfriend, Riku, hug it out. It's super cute. Um, then all of a sudden, we see uh, uh, Ventus in Castle Oblivion. The body of Ventus, remember the heart of Ventus, is in the Sora boy soup um we see original flavor young xehanort on the beach in his actual time talking about how claustrophobic destiny islands is and then we go back to yensit's tower to find out that the missing keyblade wielder who riku has been tasked with retrieving is Kyrie. and that is the contents of kingdom hearts dream drop distance how did i do
1: i mean d- you did a very good job right I, I you really truly will not understand this game if you do not watch all of the cutscenes in it um and then do some further research but I think you basically you you hit everything in in the way that the game presents it to you yeah except um, for the
0: fact that it does make Catholicism canon
1: yeah we'll get to that uh uh, listen i love when catholicism sneaks its way into pop culture uh but not in this instance Uh,
0: um honestly this one could have been a a mortified uh uh, mortified bible boys crossover
1: (laughs) oh god (laughs) one day um so like yeah that's the thing about dream drop distance is that it is Absolutely critical to resolving the series because there is so much conversation about like bringing the plots together. This whole 13 darknesses and seven lights, and you know, everybody getting their keyblade to fight Xehanort's army like that all comes from this game. Like, all the retcrons and time traveling and wild shit that happens like, that's all dream drop or yeah, dream drop distance. And like, nobody, I mean, this game did well enough, right? You know, it sold like half a million copies or whatever, but like. Nobody thought that this was going to be so important until, like, they all went to go watch cutscene videos in preparation for Kingdom Hearts 3, and were like, whoa, this mattered so much, and this game came out in 2012.
0: Yeah, it's, I mean, this one's buck wild, because, like, I mean, as you said, so, yeah, the whole premise is, uh, the reason Xehanort does everything that he does is in order to summon the Keyblade CHI, which is the symbol of, like, that funky X, um... And he wants to summon the Keyblade to get to Kingdom Hearts, which is lost in a sea of darkness after the first Keyblade War. That is the premise of everything he's trying to do, which is never mentioned in Kingdom Hearts 1 because Kingdom Hearts 1 was just no more a dip in his toe in, being like, how much am I going to get away with? And then, you know, Chain of Memories 2, 358 over 2, and Birth by Sleep just set up the players for what Dream Drop Distance is going to do
1: exactly right this is this is where we get the reveal that like everyone is xehanort right that that's uh, um you know it's oops all xehanorts this episode <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah basically like the reason that there's two organization 13s is there's organization 13 that we met in chain of memories and then you know there's a my theory of the case is that there are two factions and the factions are people Syx has dated and scorned and people he did not (laughs) people that never dated saix um so the terrible startup organization 13 was supposed to be 12 vessels for Xehanort but apparently they weren't good enough so that's why he has to time travel back and be like, hey bro, we're gonna get an idea, it's gonna not go great for us, so you need to start uh, doing the work while I'm fucking up
1: Okay, I actually Uh, like that read better than the one, because I think the game is is trying to tell us like no actually the first organization getting completely wiped out by a 14 year old that was all in my plan right i like your read better where xehanort goes back after the first organization is destroyed he's like okay so a high schooler did kill all of us um (laughs) we need you to it's got to be us this time all of us from different parts of time we got to take out this kid with a seventh grade education
0: absolutely yeah sora canonically cannot count something i just learned in my replay of kingdom hearts 3 um but (laughs) um this game is i mean like we had to take the reason i could even (laughs) get the xehanort time loop as good as i did was because we had to take a 20 minute break
1: here's what happened
0: Uh, (laughs) my uh wonderful
1: partner um often will go out to get do groceries on sunday when we record mortified um, so I was like, okay, Layla, I'm gonna help, uh, Sierra come and, and, and unload the groceries. Uh, so that took about ten minutes. When I came back, Layla was still <laughs> reading the Kingdom Hearts wiki and said, I need seven more minutes from you, <laughs> so I muted my mic and waited patiently until Layla figured out the Xehanort loop.
0: Well, n- what he did was he sat there and every once in a while got to watch my face journey because <laughs> the wiki is so unhinged. Uh, yeah. So, um, but again, I didn't. I couldn't even trace the full Xehanort experience. Like, we're gonna need some additional homework and Kingdom Hearts three to to figure it out. But um, yeah, this game is a lot. Um, and uh, it does. It does. However, I guess the the part I didn't really get to in my summary. It does it present this fun new set of creatures that we never. Well, we don't see again in Kingdom Hearts three at least, which are the Dream Eaters, um, which are exactly what they sound like. They, you know. Keep, I think they're the ones that keep you safe from nightmares, right? And then nightmares are like their own thing. There's
1: two sets of dream eaters. There's bad ones and good ones. Um, but yeah. yes, essentially the the good ones protect you from the bad ones,
0: right? And so the whole thing is that while Sora and Riku are doing this, Sora takes the form, Riku takes the form of Sora's dream eater. So he's literally keeping him safe from nightmares through the whole gameplay. And it, they befriend these cute fucking creatures. The dream eaters are so adorable. They really are. Um, and. They're the first summon in Kingdom Hearts 3. So this game does a lot uh, for that canon. And if you don't understand anything like the power of waking, which is just Sora being able to unlock worlds that haven't been fully awakened after the defeat of Ansem, Seeker of Darkness, um, then you are lost from the fucking opening cutscene onwards.
1: Yeah, I mean, again dream drop distance is so lore heavy that like it it is one of the main reasons that like kingdom hearts three is so loaded with like explanations and uh i I just think dream drop distance is so interesting because as as like a key to the franchise i think it really does bridge like what kingdom hearts becomes between all the games that came before it and three like you could see how it is being affected by the existence of like, not, not only just, like, the fact that it the franchise is buckling under its own narrative weight, but also, like, the existence of the internet and, like, fan th- the forums and theories that, like, it is starting to respond to those in a way that, like, you can tell, like, where it starts to over-explain itself and where it starts to, you know, make Sora more self-aware and everyone just being like, yeah, Sora is kind of a dumbass, isn't he? <laughs> like Sora is extremely love, stupid. I just love that that Dream Drop Distance is, like, this proto-Kingdom Hearts 3 um, and, and we'll talk about how, the, the, especially when we talk about Kingdom Hearts 3, um, but we will we will get to um, that next month. Um, shall we talk about the characters?
0: I mean, it's all the same gang, right? I think the only change, because we do like to note the changes on our scale, is that Riku, uh, for this game, gets to move out of Deserves Better and into Best Boy.
1: Yeah, he doesn't really interact with a lot of um women in this one we did skip past i guess
0: <laughs> <laughs> No, but he does do something extremely funny <laughs> which is when what's her face the, the... Uh, shiki
1: from the world ends with you
0: when shiki from the world ends with you tries to have a conversation with him he acts like he's never talked to a girl before and it is very funny
1: she's all like oh hey aren't you supposed to be my knight in shining armor and he's like you have me all wrong ma'am <laughs> it's so good
0: he's extremely good in this one
1: um yeah i mean i mean because riku doesn't interact with nobodies and and like is generally just like i am focused on making sure sora has the best experience possible um i think we get a lot of him being kind and nice and and caring about his his best friend um and that that really rules. I, I think Kingdom Hearts is strongest when it does dig into that friendship bullshit. Um and Dream Drop Distance gives us that in a real way.
0: Yeah, no it is it is truly uh I mean we had like a pretty big my friends are my power, you know, light show um in this one too and Sora's nightmares are all about like his friends and he gets woken up when Riku talks to, you know, stirs the boys too a little bit and goes to talk to uh, Ventus, Shion and uh, Roxas who are all inside the boister. It. <laughs> yeah. It's extremely good.
1: Um let's touch on the Disney Worlds real quick. Um, yeah. so there are a couple, you know, Disney Worlds um th- most notably there are there's the it's a world from Pinocchio it's it's half
0: Prankster's paradise
1: yes the the pranksters paradise from Pinocchio where bad boys get turned into little donkeys which is a really weird choice um that's what Sora explores and then Riku just goes back to Monstro from Kingdom Hearts 1 uh and just chases Pinocchio or and young Xehanort around the inside of Monstro which is interesting
0: we Uh, were really stunned that uh Pinocchio ends up in a real cage and not in a flesh cage this time
1: yeah, poor poor Pinocchio really got the soggy end of that bear deal. Um so glad he glad he was just in a normal cage this time around. Um another thing that we noticed like throughout all these is that there are a lot of reused assets in in Dream Drop Distance, and maybe that is just due to the fact that they, you know, had a had a DS game that wasn't really able to handle anything too expensive or flashy so they're just like okay uh what do we have from kingdom hearts 1 we got chernabog we got uh monstro um what do we have from kingdom hearts 2 uh we have yensit's tower um we have mickey mouse with the sword okay well, making mickey in three of these worlds uh okay that seems weird um do we want to do anything new uh we wasted we i mean not wasted we we lovingly crafted a bunch of really cute looking um monsters the the dream eaters Um, do we need, uh, isn't there a sequence where, uh, there's going to be like 13 Xehanorts? Uh, well, I guess now they just all have their hoods up and it's fine. It'll be fine. One of them will be Psyx, It's cool. We got to keep going. Put the world, put the world that never was in there. We just, we got to go. We got to (laughs) go. And, um, you know what? I think it's fine. I'm not criticizing. it. I think they mostly turn out pretty good.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, Kingdom Hearts does this a lot, and, like, the reason, one of the reasons why Kingdom Hearts 3 took as long as it did is because they did change engines from what they were using prior. Um, I think the asset reuse is great. I, you know, it does what it needs to do, and I think it's very funny, um, because, like, I think up until... Honestly, probably up Dream Drop Distance being the last one, the audience for these games was, like, really young, right? Because there were seven years between, six years between Dream Drop Distance and Kingdom Hearts 3. And so it's like, you know, if we, if I started playing those games in 2005 and I was in like fifth grade, then this one came out in 12. I was like graduating high school, right? Most most high school students and like early college students, unless they're studying this stuff, like won't really notice the asset reuse too much. So like you can get away with a shit ton of stuff, Um, but, and we'll talk about this when, when we talk about Kingdom Hearts 3 as well. It's like the, the, the way that the resources are distributed just, like, apparently like on uh, what what the player can see kind of level is really interesting i have many a gripe about arendelle specifically um but yeah it's it's i love it i i love 13 hooded figures and i love that like the vapor ansom we see on the beach is really lumpy like it's, it's, it's I, really yeah, I think good. he looks
1: worse than he did in kingdom hearts one <laughs> which is very funny they're just like we gotta <laughs> those polygons gotta go somewhere else just
0: take them out it's really good um yeah no it's uh but as far as the disney worlds go like yeah the monster one's really really weird uh we also do go to paris uh for um a fun time with the hunchback of notre dame so this is the kingdom hearts game that does have slurs in it which is yes great
1: um The Hunchback of Notre Dame, while being a beloved classic, does use the G slur for uh, the Roma people, Uh, and so does Sora in this one, which sucks. Um,
0: It's also like a deeply weird religious story that is just like made Catholicism canon in the world of Kingdom Hearts now
1: yeah and i mean we, we were talking about this but i do think that kingdom hearts draws a lot of aesthetic inspiration from like gothic cathedrals right the big stained glass windows are clearly like you know inspired by by catholic cathedrals like in the, the dive to the hearts um you know th- there's a lot of big like door opening imagery that that is reminiscent of just a you know, big church doors um you know uh, so like i, I don't want to ascribe too much catholicism to kingdom hearts but like uh, you know, there there is a reason that I can jive with the stupid amount of characters that have like one defining trait, and that's because um they're just saints. Uh, I think Organization Thirteen <laughs> is actually just an allegory for sainthood. Is my hot take?
0: <laughs> and you know what? I'm willing to accept it, given that I know nothing about Catholicism.
1: Uh... Oh, saints... what's his name? Saint <laughs> Axel, uh, the patron saint of pining and catchphrases. <laughs>
0: Axel in this game is truly so fucking good. And th- I mean, like, like we said, this sets up so much for Kingdom Hearts three. Because in three, Axel and Kyrie are like off training in the hashtag Secret Woods. And I say hashtag because that is uh, a Kyrie Instagram post. Is uh, a <laughs> hashtag Secret Woods. <laughs> it's really good, Kyrie. Um, please don't blow up our spot on Instagram. <laughs> so uh but like you know you don't really if you don't know that at the end of dream drop distance Kyrie shows up and axel can summon a keyblade like what the fuck is the point of, the, of like knowing that they're like suddenly in the woods together hanging out having a cool friend time
1: yeah it's it's very good i mean axel does a couple important things um which is that he talks to the the remaining nobodies that re- got got recompleted and recruits them to the, the light side essentially um And he does come in at the last moment and, um, saves Mickey Mouse from being throttled to death by, by, uh, (sighs) which I am disappointed in him, and so we do have to knock, knock you for that one, Axel, but, um...
0: Yeah, um, this is an anti-Mouse Dynasty podcast.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've talked about how much we hate Mickey Mouse, uh, on this show multiple times, but there, there is definitely... Um, A scene where, um, you know, Pete and Maleficent kidnap Minnie um, and, you know, hold her hostage inside of the castle. And Axel, I think, rescues her too, which sucks. Um, But like, God, you just because here's the thing. We get to see two of Mickey's past lives in this game and like none of them. You know, every actually, they all kind of show that he is incompetent and self centered, um, and he becomes that kind of uh, you know monarch. And I think that if at any point in time in these past worlds, Sora's Keyblade maybe just slipped a little bit or didn't move too much. You know, maybe maybe Mickey gets crushed by that weird stone throwing machine in Three Musketeers, or you know, maybe Mickey just drowns because he fills up all the Fantasia buckets uh, forever. I don't know, but maybe the world is better if Mickey Mouse dies. I'm just saying.
0: Yeah, the mouse career trajectory, you know, if it does anything, it does give me hope for, like, us as we try to feel out what we want to be doing for the rest of our lives. If you can be a wizard's apprentice and a musketeer and then end up a king, you know, I think we'll be okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, <laughs> if, if Mickey Mouse can fail upwards from being uh, a boat captain <laughs> to a king, I think we'll 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 land on our feet somehow.
0: Oh my god, yeah, I forgot that canonically he's also a boat captain in these games.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's the thing about Disney is that they have to be so careful in portraying the world because the further back they go, the more dicey they get a la, you know, uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame in this case. Um, yeah. Well, the other
0: problem is the more forward you go, the more of a clutch uh, Papa Disney has on the the IP and the less you can do with it, but that's a conversation for next month. Next month, of course. Um... You could yeah. audience. You can tell we are just like
1: straining at the bit to talk about Kingdom Hearts three <laughs> because it is it is so important and and good. Um, so we Eric- you know. <sighs>
0: Aaron rightfully pointed out that it's, like, the most, like, unhinged fan service game in the world. Like, it is, but I love it so much! <laughs> it's it's, so it's an good. incredible
1: video game, but we, we cannot, we have to hold off until until Scorpio season.
0: <sighs> yeah. Oh my god, but you know what we can talk about? What? With regards to Dream Drop Distance. Uh, what we forgot is that this is the origin of the combined Keyblade. Oh, yeah, um...
1: So, listeners will probably know that we have referenced the, the Sora and Riku having a big gay keyblade moment in Kingdom Hearts 3 where they're fighting Aqua.
0: Um, it's rainbow, and they have to summon each other with the power of their hearts into the realm of darkness to combine keyblades. It's incredible.
1: Yes, and apparently this is the origin for that, because, like... I thought that was, when I saw this in KH3, I was like, that's completely new. What the fuck? When did this happen? Uh, but apparently dream it's drop from, distance. It happened in Dream Drop Distance because there are two sequences in which they're fighting like big important boss battles and they will come together and do this double keyblade, you know, each of them summoning half of a keyblade that combines together and shoots a big laser cannon and it rolls and it's just like, uh, Layla was pointing this out and I think that, you know, they're not wrong. This is, this is probably the queerest Kingdom Hearts game.
0: It is the gayest Kingdom Hearts game, and they're all kind of gay.
1: I mean, yeah, there's just, like, the ways in which Riku and Sora talk about each other when they are not, they are, like, they are in the same world, but, like, they are apart, and then they're trying to find each other, and they are always talking about each other, and it's, like, kind of cute and kind of like, y'all just get a room.
0: Yeah, it's, like... The, the amount of times Riku will just, like... Somebody will mention Sora and Riku will just, like, look at his hand longingly, like, that's his Keyblade hand, and that's, that's you know, his, like, memory of Sora is bonkers. I think you pointed out that... Uh, while we were with The World Ends With You kids in Traverse Town, um, they all get, like, paired off. Uh, so, like, Joshua and Rime, uh, Nobu and Shiki, and Nobu and Chiki are, like, romantically involved a little bit, and then it immediately cuts to, like, Riku and Sora, and it's like, wow, alright. Gonna juxtapose this narrative, huh, and the fact that your hearts can always find each other and you're connected. And- yes, it's a direct <laughs>
1: parallel. It's like, come on. Um, there's, another, there's another one where, like, I think... Riku is talking to Joshua in the World Ends or in Traverse Town World Ends with you whatever um but like you know Riku says like when they're talking about Sora and cuz Joshua has met both Sora and Riku and they're like yeah I know that he you know he's not very quick on the uptake but um you know it's hard not to smile around him <laughs> it's just like they love each other so much and like at this point it's not even like Especially funny to be like, haha, Kingdom Hearts actually made a very gay game." It's just like it is actually just genuinely endearing to see how much they love each other.
0: Kyrie is in seven frames of this game. Not we even see, an
1: exaggeration.
0: We see Kyrie literally. We see like six frames of her getting launched into Sora as part of expository dialogue. She is not mentioned. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. She's in Sora's dream with Riku.
1: Oh, yeah, that's true. At uh, the end, where they're then, both
0: just like visions.
1: Yeah, and then Kyrie shows up at the end, like you said, um, to be like, I'm the seventh keyway wielder. But like, yeah, Kyrie is basically completely written out of the narrative.
0: <laughs> she's not in this game at all. She's like the, the twist ending, which is only effective because you forget she's around.
1: Yeah, like, come on.
0: <laughs> because she's not in this game, because this is the boyfriend game. It is. It is truly bonkers, and I, like, surprised, because listeners, if you've been listening to these, which if you have, God bless you. um, But if you've been listening to these, you know I constantly make jokes about how gay these games are because they're gay, but what I don't expect is that the gay is... It's so canon. It's, like, painful for me to sit there and watch this game pretend to not be just a pride parade, you know? uh but this one this one did a lot for me emotionally i feel rejuvenated you know you know here's
1: the thing like if i didn't think that numura like i don't know if, if Tetsura numura has written stories with queer characters in them but like if i didn't know better Uh, just based on how he treats kairi uh, and all women in in the kingdom hearts franchise um i would suspect he was like trying to like very like covertly create a a conversation about like you know love between two two young young men and it's like like very much like uh oh i have to get around the censors but like i'm just gonna hint at it very heavily but like i don't think that's what he's doing here (laughs)
0: I mean, it's the plausible deniability of Promare as well, too, right? Like, uh, I don't think we did an episode of Promare, but Aaron did watch it on my recommendation, uh, which was kind of almost the basis of this podcast, I guess, is that experience. But, um... There's a scene in Promare where uh, Gallo, the main character, has like a little skating date with Ina, his his friend, and it looks like they're about to kiss, but he flat out drops her and then they don't talk again for the rest of the movie because uh, the whole thing is just... There's literally an article where it's like, yeah, Leo, the other male character, he's like, yeah, he loses his clothing as he starts to feel more vulnerable around Gallo. That's, like a, that's a studio trigger interview, but if you're like, well, are they gay? They're like we can't control how people read the narrative you know if you see something you see something but if you don't i mean it wasn't intentional so yeah it does feel like that at
1: the end of the movie but was that kiss or was that cpr that ignited a a flame in his heart i mean hard to say
0: hard to say you know and that's what kingdom hearts feels like too honestly when i watched premiere for the first time i was like i've seen this shit before i know what's happening what's (laughs) but yeah yeah, it's it's incredible and i like tried to i made myself a promise after 358 over two i was like i can feel myself getting redundant everybody knows these games are gay i don't have to rehash it what i did not anticipate was how gay this game was i just didn't anticipate the volume of queerness i would be assaulted with on this sunday afternoon
1: (laughs) Pride month may be over but in the kingdom hearts franchise we are always proud of our boys
0: it's it's Pride Sloth, bitches. Here we go. It's where we sit around and watch four hours of queer kid content. Oh. Sora's stupid as hell.
1: I love how stupid he is. <laughs> Everybody dunks on him constantly, and it's great.
0: That's a real talking point in our notes today. Because, <laughs> I mean... You know, we were talking about these games becoming more self-aware, and I think the queerness is part of that, but the other part of it is that everybody calls Sora stupid as shit, um, which is a trend that continues because he is. He's the dumbest boy to have ever dumbed. Um,
1: It's really good. At one point when, you know, Riku and Ansem, Seeker of Darkness, are remarking about how Riku was supposed to be the original Keyblade wielder, um, you know, Ansem was just like, I can't, you know, it was supposed to be or I think it's it, it's young Xehanort, but it's like yeah you know we just followed the keyblade and we were trying to continue to to spread our, our our gospel or whatever you know we were trying to take over the world with you know, making them hearts but that dull ordinary boy <laughs> Uh, the second in line to the Keyblade, not even the Keyblade's first choice, kicked our ass so many times. It's just, like, uh, there's, like, a grudging respect between, like, the Xehanorts and being, like, he's dumb as shit, but we have lost him so many times.
0: <laughs> he's stupid- well, that's, that's the thing, right, is, like, I think- not to reference another- past episode of ours but like that was the problem we had with death note right is that like everybody was constantly anticipating um what the other one was gonna do is that like prolonged fucking tennis game was like the apex of that i think that maybe if l was dumb as rocks and extremely lucky that would have made death note better you know what i mean Mm -hmm. you need balance in all things the you know the seven uh guardians of light versus the 13 parts of darkness or whatever you need you know All things in good measure, and then you need uh, 13 scheming versions of the same motherfucker and one dumb kid.
1: One dumb kid to bring light not only to the sleeping realms, but also... To the Super Smash Brothers universe, we we forgot to mention uh, between this episode and our last episode, uh, it was announced that Sora is going to be in Smash Brothers as the final DLC character, uh, which kicks ass. And um, all we can say is you're welcome, world. I I think that Mortified is directly responsible for
0: this. I am begging you, motherfuckers, to go watch the reveal video because it is the most joyful, wholesome unhinged two minutes mario sees a flame thrusts his hand into it and yeets a keyblade out of it that a boy comes out of and he flies over everyone's heads and the orchestral arrangement of simple and clean plays and everyone i know cried because that song has a hold (laughs) on a generation of weebs
1: oh god it's a good fucking song i don't have to tell you
0: yeah, it's incredibly true. Um,
1: so anyway, there, that's probably going to be a part of Kingdom Hearts 4 as well. Um,
0: uh, as is, uh, by the way, speaking of heavy lifting that this game does, the world ends with you.
1: Oh, yeah, that's true. Um, you know, we'll talk about it again in our Kingdom Hearts 3 episode. But um, yeah, Neku, like when it's secret video of um, of Kingdom Hearts 3, right? You see the, I think it's 104 Shibuya um that that takes place uh that the world ends with you takes place in and like those characters that that are from that game sora meets here so it's like kind of implied that sora maybe ends up in the real world and maybe riku ends up in a dream world or you know some some alternate reality um which is going to be very funny if they if the kingdom hearts 4 is just (laughs) dream drop distance all over again but um you know we'll fucking cross that bridge in a decade (laughs)
0: It's a uh, uh, Slumber uh, Falling Far Away. That's what it will be called. That's uh,
1: a little bit too straightforward for a Kingdom Hearts title, I feel.
0: <laughs> that's true, considering Kingdom Hearts 3 opens with Kingdom Hearts 2.9 title card, and I will screamed. It's great. Um, it's literally the doves trolling. But yeah, so uh, 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 this game is incredible, I think. This franchise is almost perfect, and I say almost because of the misogyny.
1: Mm -hmm, mm mm-hmm it's it's a good it's a good one um despite all the wild lore shit i i think that dream drop distance is is a extremely good part of the kingdom hearts franchise um and you know i think i think it's stronger because of the, the the stupid lore shit like i don't think i would enjoy this game as much if it was just straightforward Um, And I just like all the convoluted nonsense because it's so fun for me and Layla to just sit in silence for 10 minutes and think about how, you know, X, Y, and Z all connect. And um, that's, that's why we're Kingdom Hearts fans is because we love to lose our minds.
0: Yeah, I mean, like in front of you, uh, sit humbly a, a medical grad student and a who loves tabletop role playing games, we should say, uh, and who likes games that are spreadsheets and a production type who also very likes spreadsheets and was an honor student in her time. Um, these, this, we are the Venn diagram in the middle of which uh, Kingdom Hearts research exists. Um, but yeah, it's it's truly. Um, I mean, like, to the point where in our research, I was like, oh, well, obviously Ansem knows where Riku is because Ansem is Nort, and Terra is connected to Riku by way of Keyblade. And then you find out that, no, that's actually not it. It's because um, Ansem uh, Flavor Blasted version, I'm no, sorry, Xehanort Flavor Blasted launched Kyrie to the Destiny Islands as like a Keyblade Seeker, like tile tracking missile. Um, and, you know, you have to read a lot of lore to, um, uh, make the connection that Nomura didn't let you make and instead put Kyrie in there because you gotta keep her relevant somehow, right? hmm These poor, uh, justice for pink third girls in an anime trio.
1: Oh, that's the mortified, uh, way, <laughs> certainly.
0: Justice for Sakura, justice for Kyrie.
1: Oh, God. I hope that i hope that Kyrie in kh4 gets a apology tour like sakura does in shippuden that would be incredible
0: oh my god an apology tour and a strong beautiful competent boyfriend who is not in love with his male friend
1: <laughs> <sighs> well layla when we are not constantly referencing the same three media properties <laughs> um where can people find you on the internet
0: Uh unfortunately all I'm doing right now is tweeting about Kingdom Hearts 3, but you can find that at (laughs) L E Y L S E S. (laughs) Um, what about you? Uh
1: you can find me on Twitter at Aaron SXL where I tweet about uh health policy and tabletop RPGs. Um you can listen to the other podcasts I do at the Bible Boys. It's we're continuing the spooky season. Uh tomorrow we're gonna record the second episode of Spooky Season with uh, Annabelle, the, the haunted doll one, which I thought was marginally scarier than the first one and so much worse narratively. Cannot wait to talk shit about that film. Our theme song is obsolete by Keshko from the album Filmmaker's Reference Kit Volume 2. You can find more of their music at Keshko.bandcamp.com. Well, Layla, uh, you know, what do we tell our listeners at the end of every episode? Layla?
0: <laughs> oh, 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 oh. I'm already half (laughs) Xehanort!
1: Oh god, we'll see you all next week.